one of the one of the joys of being married to a prophetess is you don't have to tell her anything. She'll know everything. I remember we have four children. They're all grown up and some of them are married with grandchildren. But I remember when they used to go to school and they come back from school and she'll say to them, what happened in school today? And they'll go, nothing. She said, something happened in school today. And then after a while, they learn that it is better to confess than to be prosecuted. Amen? Amen. She's a lawyer. It's better to come clean right at the beginning. Uh, we didn't speak about what God was going to say through any of us today. She has, she has no idea what I'm going to say, and I had no idea what she was going to say. But we're going to be saying exactly the same thing. You can look at my notes. That is the affirmation that this is the word of the Lord to you. And I thank God for the privilege. As I was sitting there, I, I just remembered um, something that happened 14 years ago. Now, some of you don't know that, but the first time I ever came to this church was 14 years ago. It was in this very place. At that time, we didn't have all this lovely floor. We didn't have all this lovely covering. It was tents and there was a gate, I remember. Now, what happened was I had never met Pastor Jeff before. I had actually come to Ghana on a, on a business mission, and I, I called somebody that I'd met in South Africa while I was speaking at a conference, and he was from Ghana. And as I was talking to him on the phone, he said, this week I was just telling a group of pastors about you, this Ghanaian that God is using around the world who lives in the UK. And in fact, let me call one of them right now, because I'm sure he'd love to say hello to you. It was Pastor Emmanuel Yeboah. So he called him, and some, how many of you know Pastor Emmanuel? How many of you know that Pastor Emmanuel gets what he wants? Okay. So he was on the phone. He said, bless you, man of God. Can you, you, can you preach tomorrow morning? It was a Saturday at our church. Well, I didn't have any preaching engagement. I was flying back that night to London. So I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come to your church. So he came and picked me up where I was staying in Dancerman at that time. And he brought, us, brought me to his church, and I shared. Then he said, I want to take you out for lunch. But before you do, I have a friend who I'm preaching at his church. So I just want you to come, and I want you to wait. When I finish preaching, we'll go for lunch. So he brought me here. But on the way in the car, I was sitting at the back, the Holy Spirit said, be ready. So I began to meditate. At that time, the speaker, the preacher sat at the back of the uh, pulpit. I remember. Pastor Jeff was not here that day. And I came and we sat down. Pastor Emmanuel stood up to speak. He said, before I preach, I'm going to ask a guest who's just blessed our church to greet you. As I got up, this is what he said. Actually, I think he's going to have to preach. And then he left. No warning. But when you've served God for many years, you know that you have to be ready in and out of season. So I came up here, and as I began to preach, I remember Pastor Jeff walked in halfway. Can you imagine you're a pastor, the shepherd of a flock? You've left your friend to speak, and you walk into your church, and some strange man you've never met before, you don't even know his name, is preaching. You can see that whatever I shared that day, it bonded us because he hasn't kicked me out of his church. He, he keeps inviting me back. <laughs> so we thank the Lord. We thank the Lord for that. And um, I believe that the Lord wants us to bring you a word 
and sing. Today, I want to speak to you about knowing the God of hope. Knowing the God of hope. One of the, uh, the tragedies about Christianity, there are many, many, many good things about it. But one of the tragedies about Christianity is the misinterpretation of God's intention for us. I'll say that again. One of the tragedies about Christianity is our misinterpretation of God's intention for us. What has happened over the years, over the millennia, and and has happened all over the world is because of where we've come from, from sin. How many of you know you came from sin? Okay, if you don't know and you haven't put up your hand, you still came from sin. We came from a place where we were selfish, where everything was about us and how we can acquire or accomplish what we want to do. God brought us selflessly out of that into his kingdom. And he brought us out not so that we continue that behavior, but that we are transformed in the way that we think and that we process things from God's perspective. Now, God says, I will bless you and I have blessed you. So that is not the issue. The issue is there's something greater than wanting God to do something for you. Do you know what I'm trying to say to you? Every parent in this place knows how much you care for your children and how much you want them to do well and you do all that is in your power and you and I are human beings and we have this desire for our children. How much more God who says he's our father in heaven. Jeremiah 29, please turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 29. We're going to look at verses 11 to 13. The Lord was prophesying through Jeremiah to the people of Judah who were in captivity. They were in bondage. They had been taken out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been burnt and destroyed. Many people had been killed. They were captives. They were slaves in Babylon. But God had prophesied this years ago and said, because of your rebellion, I will allow you to go into captivity, but I'll do it for 70 years and I'll bring you back. There are many people who are prophesying that God will do it for two years. God will change his mind. The prophets are not speaking the truth. But eventually they ended up in captivity. And even in captivity, they were still wanting to come back. And many of them became discouraged Many of them became absolutely discouraged. And God spoke to them through Jeremiah saying, listen, I want you to build houses, marry, let your children get married to one another and grow up because this is for a season. It is for a season. And verse 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, what is interesting is that every time that people talk about this scripture or read the scripture, you know what they think about? The plans that I have for you. It's about God has, a, and that's true, God has a plan for me. And that becomes our focus. 
And that's why we can get discouraged because when you believe God has a plan for you and now you're not seeing that plan, after a while you go tired, you go discouraged, you grow weary. But there is something more than knowing that God has a plan for you that will keep you going. And that is the word hope. Okay? He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. But it doesn't just end in the fact that I have a hope. Let me give you an example. Pastor Jeff spoke to me. We agreed that I would come today. He asked me if I'd put the, um, the GPS coordinates in this place and drive. And I had no faith. I had no faith in the GPS coordinates bringing me here. And I thank God I didn't put my faith in the GPS. Because I said to him, I tried that last week and it, I got lost. It wasn't working. So I know my way to Pastor Emmanuel's church. We live at Spintex Road uh, near the Tema End. So I'll drive to Pastor Emmanuel's church and maybe he or Pastor Ebo can meet me. And says, Ebo will meet you. So I said, okay. So we got there and he was waiting for us. And then... He said, follow me. And we followed him. Listen, if I didn't follow this man, I'd probably be in a breed by now. I'm telling you. I thought, where are we going? I, I was lost. But all I kept doing was looking at Ebo's car. One time I said to my wife, if Ebo's car turns and I don't see, we're finished. I've got to keep my eye. I, I memorized your number plate, 8481, right? So any car that wasn't 84, 81 black, I, I wasn't going to follow it. And I followed, you realize that when you, when you jump, I jump. If you jump the light, I jump the light. Whatever a boat did, I did. Why? Because my hope of arriving here was based on my relationship with the person who was bringing me here. And that is my point. People talk about hope in isolation. You cannot talk about hope without the person who is the God of hope. If I tell you that I'm going to give you some money and you don't know me, you'll have doubts in your head. But if you know that I'm a man of my word and I have the means, then you will believe me. Are you hearing me? Now, I won't do it here, but I tend to do this to my wife a lot. I, 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 say, I say to people, if I said to my wife, come up here, close your eyes, Open your mouth. I'm going to give you a surprise. She'll probably do it because she knows me. We've been together for almost 40 years. January will be 40 years we've been together. But if you met a stranger at Obojo and the person says, close your eyes, open your mouth, I have a surprise for you. How many of you will close your eyes? What would you do? You'll either call the police or you'll run. Because this person you don't know, this person you don't trust, says close your eyes and open your mouth. You understand what I'm saying? The reason why you have hope, the reason why you have faith, is because you know the person who gave you his word. So Jeremiah 29 doesn't end in I know the plans I have for you. Listen to the second part of it from verse 12. He said... Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Verse 13 is my key verse. And you will seek me 
and find me when you search for me with all your hearts. The purpose of testing, the purpose of hope is to know God. You see, if your only purpose is to go through the trial and get what God wants to give you, you've missed the point. Moses understood the principle. When God said after they worshiped the golden uh, the cow, he said, I will not go with you in chapter 33 of Exodus. What I'm going to do is I will send my angel to go with you. I will fulfill my promises for you. I will protect you, but I won't go with you. Now, most people will say that's okay because I'm going to have the protection. Isn't that what we pray for? God, protect me. I'm going to have the provision. Isn't that what we pray for? God, provide for me. And I'm going to have the promises, the promised land. Isn't that what we pray for? But there was one thing that Moses realized was the most important thing for which we have been redeemed. The presence of God. The knowledge, the personal knowledge of who God is. That is what takes you through life. In the evil times and the good times. How many of you know that evil times and good times come like trotros? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's evil. We are all going through. Whoever thought would have COVID? At the beginning of 2020, we made our plans. We traveled all over the world from Asia to Africa to Europe to America. We, have, we serve a lot of people. And so at the beginning of the year, we make our plans for where we're going to go and prayerfully decide. And at the beginning of the year, I went to France. My wife went to Uganda. She was going to go to Kenya. And then COVID came. In fact, we have a joke that she had to, they closed the borders of Kenya. They couldn't go into Kenya and they had to find their way back very quickly because they were locking all the nations. And we prayed for a miracle and she and the team got the last flight, the last seats to come back home. In March, mid-March of 2020, I always say to her, if you didn't make that flight, I'll be sending you Momo every month in Uganda and praying God make a way where there seems to be no way. But God brought them back because we prayed. Now my point is, none of us know what tomorrow will bring. How many of you know that you're, whether you're going to go to work tomorrow or you're, you're going to be around tomorrow? Nobody knows that. We, we assume that. But none of us have a guarantee on tonight or tomorrow. But that's not the point. If you're a child of God, you have an eternal guarantee on your future. Are you hearing me? The devil has played a trick on us. We have made this world our God. And so we look at other people and what they have. We look at what we don't have. And it causes us to lose hope. We despair because I don't have what I believe I should have. And God is saying to us today, take your eyes off this world. This world never saved you. I did. I know the plans that I have for you. It's not just plans in this life. It's plans for eternity. I paid a price so you become a son and a daughter. And sometimes you don't value what it means to be a child of God until God reveals it to you. God's high point with his children is to reveal himself to them. That is the highest. It's not your blessing. It's not your, even your future. 
the high point of your life is your revelation of who God is to you. Because that is what gives you the security to go through the good times and the bad times. How many of you know that the good times are as dangerous as the bad times? Let me explain what I mean. When things are going bad, it is very, very, I mean, we we cry out to God. But how many of us cry out to God when things are going good? We don't. And sometimes that's the most dangerous time because your eyes shift from God to what he has blessed you with. And the blessing becomes the idol in your life. And God is saying, I know the plans I have for you. They are for a future and a hope. But you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. And guess what? When you find me, I'm better than the plans I have for you. I am better than the plans I have for you. Because the plans will come and go. Day and night will come and go. But I abide forever. The desire of God is the intimacy of his children. If you're a Christian and you love anything more than you love God, you have missed out on what it means to be a Christian. Are you hearing me? Don't become a Christian because you have needs alone. Because when your needs are met... God will take second place in your life. Become a Christian because you have had a revelation of who God is and what he has done for you. Not only in this life, but for all eternity. Let me read you a scripture. Please turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah 9 verse 23 and 24. Jeremiah 9 23 says... Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't be proud that you have wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Don't be proud that you are mighty and you're powerful. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That is what I glory. I want you to glory. That you understand me and you know me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. God is saying to you, if you want to joy, if you want to glory, if you want to really have uh, something that you talk about, this should be it. That I'm getting to know God more and more each day. In my trials, I'm getting to know God. In my triumphs, I'm getting to know God. In my troubles, I'm getting to know God. Because why does God allow that? So that I will get to know him. That I may know him, says Paul in Philippians 3.10. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. We never add that one. We talk about that I may know him in the power. And then we stop. God is saying it's a full sentence. Don't stop in the power. Go into the suffering because in there we get to know the God who cares, the God who loves, the God who redeems, the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. I just say this very quickly and then I'll go to my next scripture. Uh, we, three weeks ago we were supposed to be coming. We are supposed to have landed here on a Wednesday. Wednesday, I can't remember, the, the 29th. 
of, of September. And now to leave the United Kingdom and go abroad is just something else. You have to have your injections, but not only that, you have to have tests that allow you to travel. Stick things up your nose, they do that and they return your results, uh, PCR test. And so you have 48 hours in which it comes and then you travel. We did the test, the results came the same day and we were on a Monday and we were traveling on a Wednesday. On that Wednesday, now, we have traveled over 500 times by air. And I have never, ever, ever missed a flight in my life. I, I have a principle of punctuality. We like to be there hours before the flight. So on our way there, we had to park our car somewhere. They gave me a, a, a GPS. Them GPS. They gave me a GPS as to where the car park was next near the airport. I put it in. We planned to be there. Uh, flight was at 2 o'clock. We planned to be there by 11.15, 11.30. The GPS took us somewhere else. And we, we got to the place. We are the guy. He said, no, no, no. And we, in fact, we were so delayed that by the time we got to where the car park was, it was about 12.25. Remember, the flight leaves at 2. I was starting to get a bit stressed. Then there's a bus that takes you from the car park to the place. They said the bus driver will be here in four minutes. We all got on the bus. The driver didn't come for 15 minutes. So now he's getting closer. And when he sat in the bus, he took us around. We took a long time to get to the terminal building. We got there just after one o'clock to be told at the desk that the flight is closed. You have missed your flight. We're not going to open. We, we, I tried to reason what had happened. They said, no, the flight closed at 1 o'clock. I'm sorry. Not only have you missed your flight, you have to buy new tickets. You've missed your flight. It's canceled. You've lost your ticket. We tried to contact British Airways at the airport, phoning them. Nobody. Eventually, my wife said, why don't we call sales? We called the sales the woman said, no, we, your flight is lost, but we'll see what she can do. Then she just put me on hold and forgot all about me. Because they said, we can't do anything about it. It's gone. You're finished. You have to get a new ticket. You have to pay another almost 2,000 pounds uh, to come to Ghana. Or whatever it was. So we're sitting there. My wife called our daughters. And they began to pray. They prayed that God will send an angel and make a way. God would make a way. God would make a way. We were praying, God, unlock the flight. Delay the flight. Do something so we don't miss out. Let me tell you something. The flight left at 2 o'clock. We're still sitting in the airport. Sometimes you say, God, do something. And you put your hope in what God will do, not in God. Some of you will get the revelation tomorrow morning. Some of you will get your revelation. We put our hope in what God will do, not in God. That's why it's important to know God. Because when you put your hope in what you think God should do, it means you have decided sovereignly that God, this is how you solve the problem. But as you heard my wife say, you come to God, acknowledge that you are God. I'm not God. I'm your child. Whatever is your will, it is fine by me. The most important thing is that you are my father and I'm your child for eternity. So we sat there and the flight took off. You know, I was sitting there, I said, this is a dream. I'm going to wake up 
And then it was all a dream. I've never missed a flight. I was trying to pinch myself that, no, 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 this hasn't happened. We have to not only buy a new ticket, we have to take another test to find a day. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we were, we were sitting down and I said to her, my wife, you see that man over there? He was a man, one of the officials. He looks like the man I was speaking to earlier who said, there's no way. I'm going to tell him that I'm trying to phone and there's nothing. When I got there, I talked to the man. He said, no, it's not me. I don't know you. It wasn't him. He was one of the officials. And he said, what's the problem? And I told him, so, oh, yeah. Once the flight is gone, you, they can't do anything about it. We can't do anything. But don't you like the fact that God reigns and that he can, people can say it is finished. And then God says, but, but I am in charge. He said, but. Have you seen the end of that nice place at the end of Terminal 5? That is the first class lounge. Go and speak to the people. Maybe, maybe they can do something to help you. Because we can't do it here. So we went there. When we got there, my wife said I was very hesitant. I was talking to this lady. Excuse me. We just told her the problem. She said, I'm coming. I'll see what I can do. She goes back comes back and says, you go behind the screen, go to desk eight. There's a lady there. She mentioned the name. She will help you. So we went there. When we came, the lady said, what happened? We told her. She said, let me see what I can do. She phoned British Airways, started to talk to them. Remember, she's not phoning from economy. She's phoning from first class. When you talk from first class, they tend to listen. In the end, she booked us a flight, which was Wednesday. She said, I've got you a flight for Friday. Is that okay? I said, it is okay. I said to her, you know, we, we, we booked some seats. You know, when you are sitting in Trotter, you want to sit near the window so you can see small. We booked some seats, uh, a window seat, an aisle seat. Uh, would you, she said, oh, I'll make sure you get it. Put it down. So we went home. We had to take a test the next day again for Friday. But this time... The test that comes, the same, it will come within hours. This was Thursday. We need the test, otherwise you can't check in. The test did not come on Thursday. Friday morning when we were going to the airport, this time we went very early, even earlier. No test. We got to the airport. We got to the same place. The, the bus took us. We were there around 10.30. We were there waiting. Our results hadn't come. They have to come on your phone. I went to the man. He said, until we see your results, we can't put you on the flight. And now it's going back to one o'clock again, the deadline. And, I'm, and the devil is saying, you will miss another flight. You become another pastor, miss flights too. People will know that you, you miss flights. We are sitting there. And <laughs> mercy, my dear sister. You know, the devil is saying, You will see what will happen to you again today. The test will never come. And if it doesn't come, you will not go. So I spoke to him. He said, as soon as the test comes, you come and join the line. Beloved, we sat there from 11, 11 11 11 12 o'clock. We are going towards the one o'clock closed gate again. But you know something? Our confidence was not in the answer. Our confidence was not in one o'clock. I said, God, you are sovereign, whatever you do. What I want, I want to know you, and I want you to be glorified in this. A few minutes later, 12, nine minutes past 12, my result came. Mama's hadn't come yet, so how can half go? 
You don't travel by half. A few minutes later, her own came. And I went, and I went to the man. He said, yeah, the result. Now join the line. I tell you, when you see the line, by the time I get to the front, it will be past one o'clock. So we go and stand there. I'm not looking at the line. My hope is not in the line. My hope is not in British Airways. Our hope was in the Lord. Are you hearing me? Because when you know the character of God, more than just the works of God, you have hope that is an anchor. A lot of people just want to know the acts of God. Oh, God did this for this person, so he will do it for me. And when God doesn't do it for you, then you lose hope. Are you hear what I just said? Because God did it for Ebo, and he did it for Christine and Jeff, and he did it for all and Ruth, then God should do the same thing for me. Who told you? The issue is not how God is going to do it. The issue is who said he will do it. That is why he said you will seek me, not the plans. He never said you will seek the plan. He said you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Let not the man glory in his might or his wealth or his wisdom. Let him glory in this, that he knows me. That's your glory. I know the Lord. I know my God. He is faithful. He is loving. I may be in hell right now physically on earth, but I know that my redeemer lives. Even if I die, I go to glory. Let me tell you something. This life is not your best life. This life here on earth is your worst life if you're going to heaven. If you're going to heaven, this is your worst life. Whether you're rich or you're poor, the best is yet to come. But if you're only living for this life, you're the most miserable of all people as a Christian. Because when God answers prayers, hallelujah, when God doesn't answer prayer, that becomes your song. You sing up and down, up and down, up and down because you're looking at what God does, not who God is. I've come to tell you today that let him who glories, glory in this, that they know me. That I'm a God of loving kindness. Even in your sorrow, know that I'm a God of loving kindness. In your pain, know that I'm a God of love. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. For future, to give you a hope. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. My highest plan for you is to find me. You know, you think you know God until you go into crisis. And you question whether you really know God. I've been a Christian for over 41 years. I've been in ministry with my wife. We've been in ministry almost 40 years together. But there are times when we we, we go, wow. We don't know what to do. Like Jehoshaphat, God, we don't know what to do. We have no power. But as he says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12, but our eyes are on you. Our focus is on you. The way I was looking at you, that's what I'm talking about. Where you go, I will go. Where you don't go, I won't go because my eyes are on you. I don't understand what I'm going through, but I know one thing. I have a choice where I fix my eyes. I can fix my eyes on my circumstances and let the devil take me through. And you know what that will mean. Or I can fix my eyes on God and let God bring me through. And the most important thing is that when I'm through... It's not that I've come through, but I have known the Lord as I made this journey. 
at the back of the queue is approaching one o'clock. When I joined, I heard a woman say, any, because some people were going to America, it was the British Airways, different people. Anybody for Accra from the front? I, I said, me. She said, you. I said, ah. She said, come to the front. We went to the front. She said, go. We went to check in. And then the lady said, oh, yes. She took our suitcases and she started putting some tag on them. Priority, priority, because time was getting, that was my assumption. Time was getting close. Then we, when she was about to give us our, our body, I said to her, oh, you know, I booked 20, uh, 21A and B. She said, no, you're not sitting in 21A and B. I said, but I booked 21A. She said, no, you're, you're sitting in 17E and F. Ah, you've taken me from A and B by the window with my wife. And you're going to put me in the middle. I said, but we booked. She said, no, no, no. You don't understand. You are in business class. I wanted to ask more questions. My wife said, young girl, come on, let's go. No, you don't She showed me and she said, in business class, they only have four seats. One by the window, two in the middle and one there. That's the one that you can sleep and they serve you and they bring cutlery and you have a waiter and all that. They don't have first class on the plane. It's just business class. I've never, in over 500 flights, I've never been in business class. Until the day I was late. When we got to the place, lots of people, they said we bought the priority uh, passengers first. Those of you in groups one and two priority, please come. You pay people, Not so for my sorry, me you dimension. You know, when you've been sitting in economy of your life, you feel even shame to get up when they call for because it takes thousands of pounds to sit in business class. Minyubi. We got up, we went and so when we got there and we saw our seats, we took pictures for our children. And I said, Look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. Where there was no way in economy, God made a way in business class. I was not looking for business. I was just, we were just looking for the Lord. We just said, God, we are going on mission to Ghana. Just get us there. He said, I will test you and I will get you there in style. Because when you trust in me with all your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding and you acknowledge me, you seek me and you find me, I will direct your path. Don't seek wisdom for yourself. Don't seek people to solve your problems. Seek me and you will find me. And you will know me that I am the God. The God of loving kindness, the God of justice, the God of mercy, the God of faithfulness. God will let you know who he is. No preacher can let you know. This is my preaching from God to you. But you have to experience it yourself. You don't experience it in church on Sunday morning. You experience it in your trial. When you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Is it because I'm powerful? No. Is it because I'm spiritual? No. Because you, my shepherd, my father, my master, my redeemer, the God who died for me, You are with me.
God change the rules so we could become his children. You know something? When the guilty get off scot-free, we say that's a miscarriage of justice. When the innocent are punished, sorry, when the innocent are punished, I beg your pardon, we say it's a miscarriage of justice. When the guilty goes scot-free, we say that's corruption. Something has gone wrong. But on Calvary that day, on Calvary that day, the God who said the soul that sins will die, I'm not changing my mind, made a way where there was no way. I, in my son, will become the innocent punished for you. You will go scot-free from your guilt and shame and I will take your prize. It was not a miscarriage of justice. It was not corruption. It was an act of a loving father who is bringing us to himself. Know the God who says to you, I know the plans I have for you. In your pain, I know the plans. And I'm going to end with this. Turn with me once again to the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16. A story we all know very well. It's to do with Paul and Silas. I will start the beginning and I will go to the end and I will share with you what God is saying to you today. He says from verse 1, then we, he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which they determined by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number. So everything is going well. Amen. <laughs> now, they, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. When the Holy Spirit forbids you to preach the word if you don't know God intimately and by experience you'll say get thee behind me Satan because you will think that I have to preach the word he says no not here not here this is not where I'm sending you you don't go by your mind you don't go by your good intentions you go by the leading of God's spirit and after they came to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, verse, nine, uh, verse 10, after he, we, he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they went down, and they went to Macedonia. They went to Philippi because of time. And then they were on the, on, the, uh, on the Sabbath day, the Bible says they went to the place of prayer by the river. And it says where in verse, um, where we are, verse 15, no, sorry, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Tyre who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when her, she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. 
This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them into the magistrates and said to them, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want to stop here just for a moment. So you see the story. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Apostle Paul and his team are listening to God. God says, don't go into Asia Minor. Don't go into Bithynia. I want you to go to Macedonia. How many of you believe that when God tells you to do something, then good things are coming? Now, people are not sure because of my preaching whether to say yes or no. The, the thing is, when God speaks to you, often you believe it is well. Because God has commanded. I'm sorry, I keep coming here because of the fan. It is well because God has spoken. But we heard today that until the word of the Lord comes to pass... That word will be tested in you. And the reason why it's tested is you learn endurance because you have hope in the God whose character you're getting to know. So they went, they went to the place of prayer. They preached. Uh, Lydia got saved. She said, come and live in my house. Things are going well. And let me tell you something. When God starts to use you, the many times you start well. But then the challenge came. A girl possessed by a demon spirit was delivered and immediately they turned against them. The Holy Spirit prompted them to cast out the devil because there was a reason. God needed to get them to jail. Amen. He needed to get them to jail for salvation. And the only way you get to jail is if you are judged, whether rightly or wrongly, you are sent there. So they were beaten, their clothes were torn. And they were put in jail. And the jailer put them in the inner prison and put them in stocks, in chains. Now, you are a child of God. God has sent you. Now, your clothes are torn. You're beaten and bleeding. You are in a prison. It's not like Ghana prison. This is dungeon. No light. Rats. Thank you. Rats. Spiders. Even possibly snakes can pass through there. No water, filthy water, no sanitation. You have done nothing wrong except follow the will of God. Most times, if your eyes are on the promise, you will start to shake. You will start to doubt. But when you know the God of the promise, and you know that all things work together, for the good of those who love God. Romans 8, 28. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God says, I will work it together. I will work it together. It may not look like it's good when you're going through it. But I have good to come out of it for my glory. They were in the prison. 
Many of us by now will say, God, where are you? I told you I wanted to go to Asia Minor. Okay, chill. That place we have preached, churches have started, we wanted to encourage them. You say no. We wanted to go to Bithynia. They know us there. They will receive us. You say no. You say go to Macedonia. We don't know Macedonia. They've never had the gospel. Now look at where we have landed. Naked, bleeding, and in chains. Many of us will start to say, God, why? Let me tell you something. Never forget this. When you walk with God and you don't understand, don't say, God, why? Don't say, God, why? Why am I in this? This is what you say. God, what? What do you want me to do? How is this going to glorify you? Show me what to do because I don't know what to do. When you ask why, often you don't get an answer because you are questioning the integrity of the God you claim you serve. But when you ask for what, you get the guidance of a loving father who knows what you're going through and says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you in the valley and I'll be with you on the mountaintop. They began to worship God. Praise is not an event. Praise is a choice. When we come on Sunday and the music is good, and the people are really playing and they're going. How many of you know it's easy to praise God? When the atmosphere is right, anybody can praise. Your highest praise is not in the church service. That's your lowest praise. I said that your lowest, it's not bad, it's not bad. But the lowest level of your praise is when you are in the service. Because there everybody is, the atmosphere is charged. People are carrying you. With their praise. Your highest praise is when you are on your own and you're going through a difficulty and you choose. I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I don't feel like it. But who talked about feelings? I choose. Why do I choose? Because I have sought him and I know who he is and he deserves praise. I don't praise God because of what he does. I praise God because of who he is. That is why I praise. So if you don't know him, how can you praise him? If you only praise him for what he's doing in your life, how can you praise him when it's not happening? But when you praise him because he is God, he is great and he is loving, he is kind and he is merciful, he is faithful and he has promised me a hope that we will spend eternity together. When you praise God based on that, the devil cannot steal your praise. Paul and Silas chose to praise it was not a service it was a choice it was when i say it was not it was a church service it was a choice that as for me i will bless the lord at all times his praise will always be my mouth the humble shall hear of it and be glad this the poor shall see and they will want to do as they praise god the bible says at midnight there was an earthquake they did not know an earthquake was coming They did not know deliverance was coming. They did not praise because they wanted God to get them out of prison. They praised because they knew who God was. The chains fell off. The doors fell off. They didn't leave the prison. They waited. The jailer got up. He decided to kill himself because he knew they were gone. The question is, why didn't they go? Because God said, you wait here. I didn't open the door for you to go out. I opened the door for the jailer to come in. 
I opened the door for salvation. I didn't open the door for physical freedom. I didn't open the door for physical freedom. I opened the door for spiritual deliverance. The jailer came in. Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. He brought a light. He said, says, what must I do to be saved? Your trial is an opportunity for somebody's redemption. Your trial is an opportunity from God. Not for you, but for somebody's redemption. People are going to hell every day. And we are singing in church. That's okay. But when we leave church, we should understand that the things that happen to us are so that God will have an opportunity to touch somebody with his goodness. Amen? They got saved. The house got saved because the people praised. I want to end by saying... The most important thing in your dark hour of trial is to know the God of hope. Not to focus on how he will deliver you, but who he is and he'll bring you through. Shall we stand, please? Hope enables us to carry on where life gets tough and life gets rough, difficult and dark. Because hope is based on the faithful God who never fails. Our Father, we thank you for your word today. I know many of us, if not all of us, are going through different levels of trial and challenges. But you brought us here today to hear this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil. Even if it feels like evil is surrounding you, I have plans for good that will give you a future and a hope in me. And you will seek me because of the plans. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you will know me and you will glory in me because you know the God of hope. Father, I pray that every one of us will experience something today, from today, that will bring us out of where we may be struggling, where we may be in confusion, where we may be in doubt, to a place of security, not because circumstances have changed, but because we have changed. Our perspective has changed. Our footing has changed. We are now standing on the rock. You said in Psalm 61, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God put us on Christ alone. The rock of our salvation. The rock of our eternity. Help us to understand that it is a privilege to be a child of God. The highest privilege in all of creation. Lord, I pray this for us as a revelation of truth that will transform each one of us daily as we seek you and we find you with all our hearts. Bless Jeff and Ruth and the leaders of this ministry as they work through the pain and the struggle they had to go through in the last few months. Lord, I commend them into your hands, oh God, you are the God of all comforts, who comforts us in our affliction, in our pain. We don't understand why, but you are good, oh God. You are God and you are sovereign and you have been with them in this dark valley of the shadow of death 
and said, I am with you. My rod and my staff, my authority and my shepherding hand will comfort and guide you. And I will set a table before you, says the Lord, in the presence of your enemy. In the presence of Satan who is taunting you, who's asking if you're a man of God, a woman of God, why did this happen to you? I will set a table before you, says the Lord. And I will anoint your head with my favor. And I will cause your cup to run over that other people may drink from your testimony. My goodness and my mercy will never stop following you. Children of God, the Lord says to you, keep your eyes on me. I am your shepherd and I will lead you. So Father, we commend them into your hands and we thank you for the assurance and the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And for everyone who is hurting today, same word goes to you. You're all I've ever needed, says the song. Help me to know your presence, to seek you, to love you, to trust you, to hold on to you in my darkest hour because you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. Father, I pray for healing of broken hearts in this place today. Hearts that have been broken through unfortunate circumstances beyond their control disappointments that have caused pain God I pray that in the name of Jesus the God of hope will bring joy and peace as the scripture says in Romans 15 13 that Holy Spirit you'll cause them to have joy and peace because their focus is on the God of hope this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just sing that chorus as I go into now? You're all I want. You're all I've ever Help me know you. 